Hi, food eaters. This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self-professed prophet of processed foods. I'm glad you could listen to this, a 24th episode. In today's show, you'll once again get to test your knowledge of processed foods. There will be a quiz, but don't panic. Don't get nervous. Don't bail out on me. What's the worst thing that can happen? Maybe you lose a half hour of your life, but, you know, you're probably already doing something else right now anyway, like driving a car, making out, cooking a meal, or maybe performing triple bypass surgery. As Alfred E. Newman likes to say, not to worry. It's all for fun and education. Now, with this quiz, you won't have to turn your paper in. You'll be able to score it yourself. And if you do poorly, your parents won't be getting a note from me. Now, for you new listeners, you might be feeling ill-prepared. I'm sure, with 99% certainty, that you're unlikely to stop this program now and go back and listen to the previous eight episodes. So, just relax, sit back, and consider this quiz just a learning opportunity. In the second part of the podcast, I'll return to the feature called New Food Inventions to take a look at a new product on grocery store shelves. For those new to this podcast, here's a wee bit about myself. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and chemical research. And for many years, I've had a fascination, some may call it an obsession, with the processed foods we eat, what constitutes those foods, and what they could be doing to our health. Because of my working years in the food ingredient industry, I also bring some inside information to this subject. This is the only podcast that is dedicated to looking behind the processed food curtain at all of those strange and unusual ingredients that populate many of the foods on our grocery store shelves. This is a 100% guaranteed free podcast. It won't cost you a penny, and I won't beg for money. There are no sponsors or financial supporters. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and I refuse to help promote any business, commercial product, or organization. All I ask of you is to give me your time, which I know is valuable. Episode 15 introduced the first food ingredient quiz. You know, I was shocked shocked uh, to find out how popular that show was. The fourth most popular one in the series. Who'd have thunk? I figured that listeners would shrink away from taking a test, but I was wrong. Today I'm going to ask you 15 multiple choice questions based upon what I've talked about in episodes 16 through 23. I'll read each question twice, provide the answer, and then some commentary. If you're not familiar with the topics addressed in the questions, just do the best you can. Okay, food eaters, get your physical or mental pens ready. If you're doing something dangerous like skydiving, just keep track of the right answers by counting on your fingers. Question number one. From episode 16 on fake toppings, which ingredient in Cool Whip represents 50% of the total product weight? A. Vegetable oils. B. Dairy products like milk and cream. C. Water. Or D. Air. Again, from episode 16 on fake toppings, which ingredient in Cool Whip represents 50% of the total product weight? A. Vegetable oils. B. Dairy products like milk and cream. C. Water. D. 
air? The answer is C, water. Yes, indeed. If you paid $1.50 for an 8-ounce tub of Cool Whip, you got 4 ounces of water for your money. Water is the first ingredient listed on the label. Always remember that food ingredients are listed from the largest amount by weight to the lowest amount. Question number two. Again, from episode 16 on fake toppings, one of the ingredients in Cool Whip is hydrogenated vegetable oil. This ingredient is A, a preservative to keep the product fresh, B, a substance that can contribute to heart disease, C, an antioxidant to prevent rancidity, or D, an emulsifier that keeps oil and water components from separating. Okay, again, uh, from episode 16 on fake toppings, one of the ingredients in Cool Whip is hydrogenated vegetable oil. This ingredient is A, a preservative to keep the product fresh, B, a substance that can contribute to heart disease, C, an antioxidant to prevent rancidity, or D, an emulsifier that keeps oil and water components from separating. The answer is B, a substance that can contribute to heart disease. Is that really true? By eating Cool Whip, you could be increasing your risk of getting cardiovascular disease? Yes. Hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated oils produce trans fat, which the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, announced a few years back was hazardous to heart health by raising LDL cholesterol levels. They required food producers to reformulate their products by 2018 to reduce the trans fat level to zero. Food manufacturers have been using hydrogenated oils since the early 1900s. So isn't it interesting that the American people have been consuming that stuff for about 100 years with nobody really giving it a second thought? But that's not the kicker. If you look on a tub of Cool Whip, you'll see zero grams listed for trans fat. How can that be? Well, it's an FDA loophole. If the trans fat level in a processed food is less than half a gram per serving, then the food producer is allowed to list it as zero. That's one reason why a food manufacturer will play around with serving size by putting a ridiculously low serving size on the label. In the case of Cool Whip, the serving size is two tablespoons. When was the last time you only ate two tablespoons of a whipped topping? There are 25 servings in a tub of Cool Whip. So if, in a crazy state of mind, you ate the whole tub, be honest, how many of you have actually done that, you could be consuming about 10 grams of trans fat. According to the American Heart Association, that 10 grams of trans fat is about 75% of the suggested daily intake. From episode 17 on ice cream, the FDA has strict rules on which frozen desserts can be labeled as ice cream. Which of the following is not true according to those rules? A. A gallon of the product must weigh at least four and a half pounds. B. The ice cream cannot have high fructose corn syrup in it. C. 
The limit on the volume of air in the ice cream, called overrun, is under 100%. D. Dairy fat must be at least 10% of the product by weight. Again, from episode number 17 on ice cream, the FDA has strict rules on which frozen products can be labeled as ice cream. Which of the following is not true according to those rules? A. A gallon of the product must weigh at least four and a half pounds. B. The ice cream cannot have high fructose corn syrup in it. C. The limit on the volume of air in the ice cream, called overrun, is under 100%. D. Dairy fat must be at least 10% of the product by weight. The correct answer is B. The ice cream cannot have high fructose corn syrup. Well, the FDA rules don't address the type of sweetener in the ice cream. The term standard of identity pertains to certain basic foods that the government many years ago determined should have specific compositions so the public doesn't get cheated or hoodwinked. Another example would be cheese. If ice cream or cheese products don't follow the rules, then they can't be labeled that way. So instead, you might see frozen dairy dessert or processed cheese on the label. If you're curious, the next time you buy a gallon or half gallon of a product labeled as simply ice cream, weigh it and see if the product weight is four and a half pounds or in case of half gallon, 2.25 pounds. Again, from episode 17 on ice cream, I evaluated Hershey's Caramel Kisses from the Breyers line of frozen dairy desserts. This product has an astounding 46 ingredients in it. Of those 46, about 32 of them are unique. That is, they're not repeated. This product is a food scientist amusement park. Take your best guess at the number of synthetic or artificial ingredients in this product. Synthetic means made in a laboratory or factory. A, three, B, five, C, nine, D, 12. Let's do that again. From episode 17 on ice cream, I evaluated Hershey's Caramel Kisses from the Briars line of frozen dairy desserts. This product has an astounding 46 ingredients in it. Of those, about 32 of them are unique. That is, they're not repeated. This product is a food scientist amusement park. Take your best guess at the number of synthetic or artificial ingredients in this product. Synthetic means made in a laboratory or factory. A, three, B, five, C, nine, D, 12. If you said C, which is nine, you were absolutely correct. About 28% of the unique ingredients were made in a factory and did not come directly from food. That's a pretty high percentage. What does your body do with all those synthetic ingredients? Yeah, some of them are harmless, but some may be bad for you. Take note that the higher the number of synthetic ingredients in a food product, the more likely that product can threaten your health. Watch out for processed foods that are loaded with artificial ingredients. Read those labels. Question number five. This one comes from episode number 18 on bread. This could be a tough one. White flour 
and the white bread that's made from it has been very popular for close to 150 years, since the working classes in England in the late 1800s wanted the soft, pure-looking bread that the upper classes could afford. New technology for making white flour significantly reduced the cost of production and the price of the bread. One important improvement, if you can call it that, in view of modern nutrition, was the use of a bleaching agent to turn the brownish wheat flour into a white material. Which of the following is not, not a modern bleaching agent in the wheat milling industry? A. Azodicarbonamide, ADA for short, B, ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C, C, benzoyl peroxide, or D, butylated hydroxytoluene, known as BHT for short. Again, this question comes from episode 18 on bread and could be a tough one. White flour and the white bread that's made from it has been very popular for close to 150 years. Since the working classes in England in the late 1800s wanted the soft, pure-looking bread that the upper classes could afford, new technology for making white flour significantly reduced the cost of production and the sale price of the bread. One important improvement, if you can call it that, in view of modern nutrition, was the use of a bleaching agent to turn the brownish wheat flour into a white material. Which of the following is not a modern bleaching agent in the wheat milling industry? A. Azodicarbonamide, ADA for short. B. Ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C. C. Benzoyl peroxide, or D butylated hydroxytoluene, known as BHT. Did you pick D, butylated hydroxytoluene? That's right. BHT is actually a preservative that used to be a very popular additive in processed foods until health problems were discovered. The other chemicals all have been used to decolorize wheat flour, uh, and one I didn't mention, even chlorine. Uh, which is found in, in, high sp- in household bleach, has been used. Question number six. Here's another one from episode 18 on bread. Most breads, like my childhood favorite Wonder Bread, use dough conditioners, which are substances that help dough to rise and maintain their shape. Which of the following bread ingredients is not a dough conditioner? A. Calcium propionate B. Sodium steroidal lactylate C. Calcium peroxide or D. Datum Again, another question from episode 18 on bread. Most breads, like my childhood favorite Wonder Bread, use dough conditioners, which are substances that help dough to rise and maintain their shape. Which of the following bread ingredients is not a dough conditioner? A. Calcium propionate B. Sodium steroidal lactylate C. Calcium peroxide D. Datum And the answer is A. Calcium propionate, which is actually a chemical preservative in some breads. 
The unusual-sounding name DATUM is an acronym representing diacetyl tartaric acid of mono and diglycerides. With that kind of chemical name, you can see why food manufacturers prefer to use the acronym so as not to scare anybody off. Question number seven. In episode 19 about the hidden ingredients in wine, I talked about potassium metabisulfite, a common ingredient used in almost all wines, but it only shows up on the label if its concentration exceeds 10 parts per million. Okay, all you enophiles, which additive classification does potassium metabisulfite fall into? A. Clarifier. B. Antiseptic. C. Stabilizer. Or D. Fermentation nutrient. Again, in episode 19 about the hidden ingredients in wine, I talked about potassium metabisulfite, a common ingredient used in almost all wines, but it only shows up on the label if its concentration exceeds 10 parts per million. Okay, all you enophiles, which additive classification does potassium metabisulfite fall into? A. Clarifier. B. Antiseptic. C. Stabilizer. D. Fermentation nutrient. The correct answer is B. Antiseptic. It's in wine, well I should say its use in wine is to kill off unwanted bacteria that could compete with the alcohol producing yeast. Question number eight. Another one uh, from episode 19 on wine. There is an unusual additive used in winemaking to help clarify the liquid so the final product is transparent, not cloudy. This additive is derived from fish bladders. What is it called? A. Oak chips. B. Silicates. C. Potassium bicarbonate. Or D. Isinglass. Again, another question from episode 19 on wine. There is an unusual additive used in winemaking to help clarify the liquid, so the final product is transparent, not cloudy. This additive is derived from fish bladders. What is it called? A. Oat chips. B. Silicates. C. Potassium bicarbonate. Or D. Isinglass. If you said D. Isinglass, you were right on. First discovered by the Romans, who observed that wine stored in animal stomachs or the swimming bladders of fish turned out much less opaque after storing. Isinglass is an odorless, gelatin-like material obtained from the dried swim bladders of cod, drum, drum fish, and thread fins. Question number nine. From episode 20 about chocolate, what is the English translation for the name of the tree, Theobroma cacao, that chocolate comes from? A. Food to die for. B. The feel-good tree. C. Mystical tree. Or D. Medicinal food of the gods. Again, from episode 20 about chocolate, what is the English translation for the name of the tree, Theobroma cacao that chocolate comes from A. Food to die for B. The feel-good tree C. Mystical tree or D. Medicinal food of the gods 
The right answer is D, medicinal food of the gods. The clue here is the prefix theo, which refers to a god as in the word theology. The bromo suffix refers to medicine as in bromo seltzer. Question number 10. Again from episode 20, milk chocolate has fat and water in it that needs to be mixed and blended together. To keep the fat and water from separating, ever notice brown chalky spots on old chocolate bars? An emulsifier is added during the chocolate making process, particularly for the cheaper products containing milk. Identify this common emulsifier in chocolate bars. A. Mono and diglycerides. B. Carboxymethylcellulose. C. PGPR. Or D. Polysorbate 80. Again, from episode 20, milk chocolate has fat and water in it that needs to be mixed and blended together. To keep the fat and water from separating, ever notice brown chalky spots on old chocolate bars? An emulsifier is added during the chocolate making process, particularly for the cheaper products containing milk. Identify this common emulsifier in chocolate bars. A. Mono and diglycerides. B. Carboxymethylcellulose. C. PGPR. Or D. Polysorbate 80. Did you choose C? PGPR? That chemical acronym stands for polyglycerol polyricinoleate. It is derived from castor bean oil. Question number 11. In episode 21 on infant formula, I talked about Emphamil Premium Newborn Infant Formula Powder. The sixth ingredient in this product really made me question why it was in a food fed to a tiny little human just entering the world. This ingredient is synthetic, highly industrialized, and made with a hazardous chemical. Identify it in the following list. A. Whey protein concentrate, B, polydextrose, C, lactose, D, citric acid. Again, in episode 21 on infant formula, I talked about Infamil Premium Newborn Infant Formula Powder. The sixth ingredient in this product really made me question why it was in a food fed to a tiny little human just entering the world. This ingredient is synthetic, highly industrialized, and made with a hazardous chemical. Identify it in the following list. A. Whey protein concentrate. B. Polydextrose. C. Lactose. D. Citric acid. And the correct answer is B. Polydextrose. This artificial chemical is made by linking glucose molecules together using concentrated acid, for example phosphoric acid, high temperature, and high pressure in a machine. The compound polydextrose breaks down very little in the gut. That means it passes through the body like a soluble fiber. For that reason, it's classified as a prebiotic. Unbelievably, this is what is fed to newborns. Question number 12. Again, from the show about infant formula, Babies need two essential fatty acids that their bodies can't make on their own. 
These nutrients are needed by a newborn to develop a healthy brain and nervous system. Identify one of the fatty acids in the list below. A. Palmitic acid. B. Linoleic acid. C. Oleic acid. Or D. Arachidonic acid. So again, from the show about infant formula, babies need two essential fatty acids that their bodies can't make on their own. These nutrients are needed by a newborn to develop a healthy brain and nervous system. Identify one of the fatty acids in the list below. A. Palmitic acid. B. Linoleic acid. C. Oleic acid. D. Arachidonic acid. The right answer is D. Arachidonic acid, known as ARA. The arachidonic acid is produced by the common soil fungus called Mortuarella alpine. By the way, the other essential fatty acid that newborns need is docosahexaenoic acid, commonly abbreviated as DHA. I just love saying that chemical name. Question number 13. From episode 22 on obesity, What percent of American adults are considered obese? A, 10%, B, 20%, C, 30%, or D, 40%. Again, from episode 22 on obesity, what percent of American adults are considered obese? A, 10%, B, 20%, C, 30%, or D, 40%. The answer is D, 40%. That's a big number. A representative of the Harvard School of Public Health was quoted as saying, There's still a huge amount of cheap, accessible, highly processed food available everywhere almost any time. And despite people doing more recreational activity these days, the overall activity level Household activity and occupational activity have decreased in recent years. Question 14 from the obesity episode. Again, according to the World Health Organization, the United States is listed number 8 in the world for the most obese country based on a body mass index of 25 or more. Which country is number one? Note, this is a tough question, so don't be surprised if you get it wrong. A, Great Britain. B, Nauru. C, American Samoa. D, Mexico. Again, from the obesity episode, according to the World Health Organization, the United States is listed number eight in the world for the most obese country based upon a body mass index of 25 or more. Which country is number one? A, Great Britain. B, Nauru. C, American Samoa. Or D, Mexico. The right answer is Nauru. That's answer B. This is a tiny island nation in the South Pacific where over 95% of the 10,000 population has a BMI of 25 or more. 
The reason for their obesity problem is that the native peoples of Nauru abandoned their traditional diet of fish, seafood, fruits, and vegetables in favor of a Western-style diet of mostly processed foods. Nauru has a really interesting history. At one time, it was one of the richest countries in the South Pacific. If you're curious, check out the Wikipedia entry for it. Question number 15. From episode 23, which was on uh, current news stories, we learned about a toxic chemical discovered by Swedish chemists in the late 1990s that happens to be found in starchy foods, particularly fried ones. Even toast has this chemical in it. It's considered a probable carcinogen. With this shocking news, the world got slapped in its topological face. Nowadays, we have to watch out for french fries, donuts, coffee, Dorito chips, and pretty much any baked or fried snack food made with flour. What is this hidden ingredient in foods that people love? A. Arsenic B. Acrylamid C. Formaldehyde or D. Vinyl Chloride Again, from episode 23 on current news stories, uh, we learned about a toxic chemical discovered by Swedish chemists in the late 1990s that's found in starchy foods, particularly fried ones. Even toast has this chemical in it. It's considered a probable carcinogen. With this shocking news, the world got slapped in its topological face. Nowadays, we have to watch out for french fries, donuts, coffee, Dorito chips, and pretty much any baked or fried snack uh, made with flour. What is this hidden ingredient in foods that people love? A. Arsenic B. Acrylamid C. Formaldehyde or D. Vinyl Chloride And the answer is B. Acrylamid A chemical that forms when the amino acid asparagine found in wheat flour chemically reacts with glucose at temperatures exceeding 248 degrees Fahrenheit. Acrylamid is on California's Prop 65 toxic chemicals list. And I need to mention that um, coffee was, was listed before and ingredients in coffee can also undergo uh, a reaction to form acrylamid. Hey food eaters, here's a bonus question. If you get this one right, you can eliminate one of the wrong answers from your score. From episode 19 on wine, what U.S. governmental agency regulates the labeling of wine? Is it A, the FDA, B, OSHA, C, the USDA, or D, the TTB? Again, okay, here's a bonus question. If you get this right, you can eliminate one of the wrong answers from your score. From episode 19 on wine, what U.S. governmental agency regulates the labeling of wine? Is it A, the FDA, B, OSHA, C, the USDA, or D, the TTB? The correct answer is D. TTB, which stands for the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. Back in 1935, the federal government, very concerned about getting its share of sin taxes, placed all alcoholic beverages under the purview of the TTB. 
Have you noticed that wine bottles don't usually have ingredient lists or nutrition facts labels, which would be required if the FDA was regulating the beverage? Okay, everyone, go ahead and tally up your score by dividing the right answers by 15 and multiplying by 100. If you got 93 to 100%, get up if possible and do a victory jig. You are a food ingredient genius and should be teaching a course on that subject. If you can't get up, just shoot your fist in the air. You did great. If you got 87 to 92%, that's a darn good score and you should be proud of yourself. A score between 73 and 86% is decent and shows that you're pretty knowledgeable about food ingredients and processed foods. If you got between 53 and 72%, you're off to a good start, but you could use some improvement. When you have time, go back and listen to the previous eight episodes. If you got less than eight answers right, don't consider yourself a failure. You just need to keep listening to the podcast. You'll do better next time. Well, it's time to introduce a new food invention. The company, Koyo, was established in 2010 and is now bringing their products to U.S. retail stores. Koyo stands for coconut yogurt, and it's an alternative to dairy-based yogurt. The The originator, Henry Gosling, was born in Fuji and later in life, based on his love of coconut, developed the Koyo products in Australia. Here are some descriptors for the unflavored version. It's vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, paleo-certified, preservative and carrageenan-free, no added sugars, live cultures, that is, it has probiotics, gum-free, non-GMO, soy-free, and kosher. This stuff really covers the bases. It's a good example of a current trend in food manufacturing called clean food, where companies are cutting down or eliminating artificial ingredients from their products. I'll deal with that topic in more detail down the road. The ingredients in plain Koyo are coconut cream, tapioca, pectin, and cultures. That's a short list, and not scary at all for a processed food. Nutrition-wise, a 5.3-ounce container has 390 calories, but 340 of those, or 87%, are from fat. It has 3 grams of protein, 38 grams of fat, 36 of which are saturated, 10 grams of carbohydrates, 5 grams of sugar, and 30 milligrams of sodium. The cost of a 5.3-ounce container of plain coconut yogurt is about $3. So if you desire a non-dairy yogurt, are not put off by saturated fat, you like the flavor of coconut, want to avoid conventional chemicals and processed food, and are willing to cough up $3 per container, then give this stuff a try. Well, let's put this show to bed. Thanks for listening. If you could leave a review, good or bad, at the iTunes store, I would greatly appreciate it. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed at the hosting website called Podbean. It's at www.podbean.com or by searching online for the title Food Labels Revealed. And, of course, 
you can listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by installing any of the available apps like Apple's Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and others. So, food eaters, how did you do on the quiz? Do you have a good working knowledge of ingredients and packaged foods, or do you need to bone up a bit? Please share your thoughts by emailing me at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's all one phrase, foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. I want to take a moment to give a shout out to my sister, Shar Roar, a realtor in Destin, Florida, a Gulfside city situated along the beautiful Emerald Coast. She's been a consultant, advisor, cheerleader, booster, and self-proclaimed critic of these shows. Many positive changes in the quality of this podcast came about from her suggestions. However, she really dislikes the Peter Gunn intro music and never fails to repeat her opinion to me every time we talk. So, listeners, if you agree or disagree with her, contact me at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com and please tell me what you think. Also, I want to thank my nephew, Scott Beal, for promoting this podcast at his popular blog, Laughing Squid. He's the founder and publisher of that very contemporary news blog. And to you, food eaters, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next month. In the meantime, take care of yourself, and if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music for today is called Not As It Seems, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod.